You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Los Angeles Times editorial page writer John Healy goes on the record online. I've never talked to anybody uh, from the, from Chicago or from any of the ownership. I, now, I understand why the appearance is bad on something like that, but that's not going to stop me or the board from speaking on issues that we think are important. Today, we have a one-on-one interview with Los Angeles Times editorial page writer John Healy. Uh, We had a chance to talk to him at the Los Angeles Times headquarters in downtown Los Angeles, and we spoke to him about how opinion journalism is adapting to the age of the blogosphere, um, how to get a meeting uh, with the editorial board at the LA Times, and we also found out, um, well, we got a very good idea which political candidate the Los Angeles Times is positioned to endorse. We are going to play the interview for you in its entirety after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. We are here with uh, John Healy. He is an uh, editorial page writer at the Los Angeles Times. And we are in the Otis Chandler Auditorium. The dark and cold Otis Chandler Auditorium. It's actually a very nice venue. Well, we'll rent it out for weddings, parties, anything. Okay. So here, it's the first thing I want to know, okay, and you know, forgive me if it's a stupid question, but uh, you know, the New York Times is liberal. The Wall Street Journal is conservative. You're talking about the editorial pages. I am. I'm talking about the editorial pages. Um, And, you know, there was obviously some would argue that it leaks through. There was an interesting study recently that found that the uh, news pages of the Wall Street Journal were the most liberal in the United States. And that's based on some parameters of who they quote uh, and possibly story topics. Of course, their study was done by a conservative think tank, but uh, yes. no, I, I don't know. It probably it's a was. joke. Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, so the question is this. If the New York Times opinion pages are liberal and the Wall Street Journal opinion pages are conservative, what's the LA Times? We are somewhere in the middle. It really depends so much on who the person is who's the head of the department. When I was hired as an editorial writer, I went to work for Michael Kinsley. He uh, was booted out about a month after I got there, so I never really got to have the flavor of Kinsley. His style of thinking, though, I would describe as contrarian. He basically finds the conventional wisdom and argues with it. His replacement was a guy that he brought in, Andres Martinez. And Andres was uh, probably, uh, I would describe as a um, free marketeer, an internationalist, and a libertarian, sort of in that order. He was no great fan of regulation, but he also, uh, based on his background, had some social justice leanings. So he was an 
amalgam, amalgam of uh, different political strains. Now, after him, we had Jim Newton. Oh, and I should say that Andres, the way he ran the department was his opinion, um, if, if, if you were going to veer wildly from him, uh, you were in trouble. We're ruled sort of by precedent. We do not change courses uh, rapidly, and certainly not arbitrarily. So we try to keep consistent with what we said in the past. But then we're always taking on new topics. And I remember once I, I wrote something about the regulation of uh, media ownership. And I was looking at a very narrow part of that issue, the uh, FCC's rule against um, owning both a newspaper and a broadcast outlet in the same market. I felt it was antiquated, and I made the argument at the board that it was antiquated, and, and the board agreed. <laughs> when I wrote the piece, though, Andres felt it was uh, an opportunity to rail against all media ownership regulations. <laughs> so the, the piece went some, often somewhat different direction than I had intended. Um, now, Andres's uh, uh, successor was Jim Newton. Jim uh, was significantly further to the left than Andres, but also he was not the sort of person who uh, would take a, an editorial to a place that the writer uh, didn't intend it to go. Um, he was much more um, letting. He was much more willing to let the writer have the, the speak for the board and let the board consensus uh, be the position of the newspaper. Now, um, Michael Kinsley, you know, uh, one of the things he did do was try to make the opinion pages more interactive. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us, wasn't there a, some sort of a wikatorial experiment? What happened? Yes, this was before, just before I, I got to the pages. Um, but I, I got to defend it uh, at a uh, Harvard Law Internet Symposium right after it happened, because I just happened to be there. I was the only guy from the Times there. Um, what happened was, we decided to take an editorial about the war in Iraq and let people uh, rewrite it, wiki style, uh, online. A real, I think it's a really great idea. And we didn't have the sort of institutional controls, however. And as is often the case with platforms that have very big audiences, the, the wiki got hijacked. And, and eventually some people were using the, the ability to post JPEGs uh, on it, um, and they, I think they posted some kitty porn, and we had to take that down right away, and we called in the feds, and it was just a disaster. Now, um, we came under a lot of heat for the silliness of doing that and turning over the platform to the people, but the whole point of the exercise was to let the public try and reach a mass consensus on an issue that was controversial, which is really hard to do. And it's sort of mirroring what the board tries to do. If you have a good, diverse board, what the board tries to do on issues that are controversial. Now, um, you mentioned this media ownership uh, uh, piece that you wrote on um, media ownership caps. And um, you mentioned that you know, Andres was, um, was sort of against uh, um, uh, deregulating. I wonder, no, he was, he, was, he was in favor of deregulating. He was very deregulatory. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was. Because obviously, you know, at the time, the LA Times was owned by the Tribune, and the Tribune was actively involved in acquiring broadcasters in the LA market. Right. Um, they owned, uh, and they still do, uh, a uh, KTLA, a major uh, LA broadcaster. 
Um, forgive me for not knowing this. I don't think that is their only holding here in the Los Angeles area. And they have a waiver from the FCC in order to do that. Um, so we had to note in the editorial that you know, the, the company that owns us has a stake in this. But how can you not feel pressure? Because nobody ever, nobody ever calls me uh, from Tribune. I've never spoken to any of those people. And this continues to be true under the Sam Zell regime. I've never talked to anybody uh, from, the, from Chicago or from any of the ownership. I, now, I understand why the appearance is bad on something like that, but that's not going to stop me or the board from speaking on issues that we think are important. Just because we have a stake on them, I think that should, people should factor that in in determining our credibility. But look at the argument for what it is. So this is, uh, these are obviously tough times across the board in the print daily newspaper business. Mm -hmm. um, how is that impacting um, the importance of, of the LA Times op-ed pages? Do you think opinion is becoming, opinion, the, the opinion of the LA Times in specific is becoming more or less important? I mean, because there was a time when there was no internet and the only record you had was the LA Times. Um, boy, it's difficult to answer this question. It's a good question uh, without sounding hubristic. So I apologize in advance. I think we still have influence. I think that the number of people who uh, use our, our voter recommendations on races that they don't do much research on themselves remains very significant. I hear from legislators a lot that our opinion matters in Sacramento. Um, so I think we still play an important role in the process of governing uh, and in the process of being a civil society. Now, it's uncontrovertibly true that opinions are a dime a dozen online. Um, that we're going to have to come up with a new cliche because there's so many more than a dozen. Um, everybody's got an opinion, and there's no reason to believe that our opinions are better researched or better founded than anybody else's. We just happen to come from, uh, the arts just happen to come from a group, a smaller group than it used to be, but a group of uh, people who've been doing this for a while, who take the research very seriously. And so uh, we hope that it's credible. Now, obviously, uh, at this paper and at most papers, there's a real Chinese wall between editorial and news. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the idea that news is news and, and opinion is opinion. Yes. Um, but, you know, with all these social media tools out there, Facebook and Twitter, um, you know, our opinions leak like sieves onto the Internet. Um, and CNN's internal social media policy, uh, which was recently linked on a blog, uh, <laughs> said that they restrict employees from communicating on anything, anywhere on the internet, that CNN might report on. And uh, the idea was that it would protect, pr somehow protect the newsgazers' objectivity. And of course, you know, the critics have said that this is both impractical and unfair. Um, what is the LA Times social media policy? If we have one, it's news to me. Um, I am part of a Facebook group with LA Times reporters, a LinkedIn group with LA Times reporters. Um, uh, I think there are some of us who use MySpace. I know I'm, I'm a member of the MySpace community just so I can um, do the research that MySpace, MySpace makes possible. Um, and there, I mean, there are many other 
social media tools out there that that are at our disposal we don't we don't pretend that we're not part of the 21st century I, it seems to me that the, the point here is you use these tools to become more transparent and more available to the public the strength of our work and the weakness too is the extent to which we actually talk to people as many people as we can and the right people the people who know the most about the issues that we write about otherwise we really are indistinguishable from the folks who just sit in their homes and spout off opinions based on what they read online one advantage that newspapers have over non-professional reporting outlets is that we do get access to people who are in a position to know stuff that other folk don't know. For example, on the business page, uh, a guy like uh, uh, Walter Hamilton in New York can actually ring up people at Merrill Lynch and get uh, information about the workings of Merrill Lynch and and the expertise that their economists offer that somebody um, who does not have access to Merrill Lynch and those people can't get. Now, that doesn't mean that um, the quality of his thinking is better than the person in the dorm room or the uh, retiree. Uh, It it means that the quality of the information may be better. It's original source reporting versus, uh, and primary source reporting versus secondary source reporting. I think that that's worth something, and I think that's an advantage that we have. And obviously now that the, uh, you know, the blogosphere exists, um, you know, you've got got information coming at you, not just from experts, but from people. Um, I want to read you, uh, this is Howard Kurtz from today. Mm -hmm. Uh, The decision by MSNBC to yank Keith Olbermann and Chris Matthews from anchor duty during the live political events did not exactly please liberal bloggers. A number of them denounced the cable channel yesterday for making a change that a long bit sought by NBC News veterans, saying MSNBC was caving into pressure from McCain's campaign and the right wing. So, um, does the LA, do the LA Times opinion pages account for pressure from the blogosphere in the paper's opinions? I wish they cared that much about us. <laughs> um, I can't uh, imagine us getting that kind of pressure. We got a, f- a lot of response to the Gloria Steinem op-ed last week, just an outpouring of response. Um, tens of thousands of, of comments. And uh, I don't know uh, how that could affect um, uh, the op-ed editors other than to say this is a topic that people wanted to, to hear from somebody like this on. Uh, a lot of people disagreed with, uh, with Gloria Steinem. A lot of people agreed. But the point was it got a tremendous response. It was really widely read and that's what op-eds are supposed to do now on the editorial writing side um, we read as much as we can I don't uh, distinguish between um, a reported blog and a newspaper if somebody's out there doing journalism uh, and particularly doing primary source journalism um, that's a good resource for me but do bloggers fill my inbox uh, saying, you know, we think you were completely uh, insane on Fannie Mae and on um, uh, Lock High School and on Movie Cops, which is the last three or four things that were 
in our pages uh, by the board. No, they don't. Uh, so if if they want to have, uh, if they want to try to pressure us, I, I, I'd welcome that. It would mean that we're being read. If an organization has an opinion on an issue that is of interest to the board and the board's readers, what is the uh, practical way that they should go about requesting a meeting? Well, the easiest way to get a meeting with the board is to write a letter to the to the editor. Um, letters at um, LATimes.com. Um, we don't have a department head right now, so I can't say, you know, write a note to Jim Newton at jim.newton at LATimes.com. I mean, that guy is gone. Uh, otherwise, that would be the thing to do. Uh, we are really approachable. We are really accessible. Um, the only limit is, is on our time because we don't have as many editorial writers as we used to have. We're all pretty busy. But that doesn't mean if we say no to somebody, it's not because we're not interested. It's because of time. Now, I know you're an editorial writer, mm -hmm. uh, but on the op-ed side, what's the process of submitting a guest column? Op-ed at latimes.com. That is the general uh, mailbox for op-eds. I have to tell you, we get so many op-ed submissions that if you send one in over the transom, it's, the chances of it running are slim. Um, a lot of the op-eds that we run are assigned because the op-ed editors will say, you know, here are the topics that we really like to see in our pages in the coming days. Nevertheless, they read everything that comes in. And if you have something uh, that you want to say about a business or a technology issue, uh, and you don't think that you're getting uh, a fair read from the op-ed folks, you can always write me because uh, those, are, those are my issues. I have nothing to do with the op-ed people, but I do read submissions that come in when people ask me to, and I can help uh, make the pitch, uh, put it in context for folks. Now, um, you know, often you see uh, guest uh, columns uh, in the newspaper written by people that you couldn't imagine would actually have time to write it. Mm. Uh, is there any vetting that takes place to make sure that the guest columnists actually pen their own pieces? That's a good question. I don't really know because I'm not on the op-ed side. My s suspicion, though, from watching them do their work, all these things are edited, and there's a lot of back and forth between the writer and the editor. And if it says it was written by um, Joe Smith, they're probably calling Joe Smith to talk about the editing. So um, Joe Smith is going to have to know what Joe Smith supposedly wrote and stand by it. After the excitement with the newness of personal publishing tools like blogs and podcasts and social networking fades, is it possible that the value of, journal, of the journalistic process and editorial oversight could actually rise uh, in favor in the eyes of audiences in Wall Street? I would like to believe that there's going to be a market for quality. I'm just not sure how big that market is going to be. And when I say quality, I'm not saying that newspapers are quality and bloggers aren't. I'm not saying that at all. That's scary stuff, John. Well, That's a scary statement. Well, let, let me elaborate a little, okay. given that I'm prone to these long-winded answers, and I apologize about that. Um, I think that um, the success of the New York Times uh, is, and the Wall Street Journal, they are uh, brands with, uh, that are identified with quality reporting. And I think that you're also seeing that in things like uh, TechCrunch, and um, Engadget, just speaking from my uh, small corner of the, the universe, I pay closest attention to the tech part of the blogosphere. 
These are uh, groups that do quality work. Now, and by quality, I mean um, uh, they do really good research and they do a lot of original source reporting. So now, will the market come to recognize that and, and drive traffic toward that versus um, people who exist simply to comment on other folks' work? I don't know. I don't know that that's been shown. Um, but again, you look at the most popular blogs, uh, Boing Boing. They do um, a fair amount of original source reporting. They, they, they're not commenting, commenting usually just on what other people have found. They're trying to bring to light stuff that folk haven't talked about. Um, so they're, they're, in essence, breaking news. Um, but, the, but they're a business. They're not consumer-generated. I mean, they, they're ad-supported. Right, but how did they start? I think they started, um, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I think uh, Dr. O is the guy's name. Corey. Yeah, yep. and uh, I think uh, he's a former journalist. Uh, he's a lot of things, but um, I, don't, I don't differentiate between um, people who have formal training and those who don't, and people who start off with no business ambitions and those who do, because eventually you get to the same point. If you're gonna have a big audience and you're gonna be doing it full time, if you're gonna be doing it for a living, you have to make a living, right? Look at paidcontent.org. That's a really great story. Um, they do good work. They started with one guy, Rafat Ali, who was, uh, I think, a Columbia uh, School of Journalism grad. And he started it probably in his apartment. and grew it and originally he didn't have advertising he does now i mean are we supposed to say that he's in a different category now than he was when he started he was a citizen journalist when he started because he wasn't making any money you know i i heard a uh, interview with him on a podcast called venture voice mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he got his business up and running and what he said was um if i had been uh tasked with starting the business uh, after I was married, it never would have happened. <laughs> so, you know, this idea of this uh, hamster wheel, this, this mm -hmm. you know, tireless cycle of generating content, you know, uh, sort of dispels the myth that it's, you know, some guy in his spare time posting to his blog occasionally. And, you know, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, you see these highly visible um, social media personalities like Robert Scoble or Chris Brogan, and you have to wonder, you know, what the, what the toll is on their personal life. You should talk to Andy Malcolm. He's our top of the ticket blogger. I get notes, from, uh, we all get notes from, from Andy that are time stamped in hours of the night that nobody should be working. Um, but top of the ticket is doing fabulously. The market has a relentless demand for copy. I, I remember back when I started uh, my little blog and um, it was a one guy blog and I was doing it, uh, my, my inspiration and my model was what Professor Ed Felton was doing out of Princeton with, with his uh, blog. He was doing these long thoughtful posts and doing a couple times a week maybe. Well, now even he has multiple people writing on his blog because it's not sustainable to do it as one person. The, the market demands multiple posts per day. And if you're going to do that and you've got another job and you've got a family, it's just not possible. At the same time, uh, as a consumer of news and information, 
the most current news is the most attractive usually. Um, and I'm looking at the Opinion LA blog, and it says here it's the best in uh, SoCal opinion journalism Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, what limitations does that pose on your ability to connect and engage audiences? The fact that it's Monday through Friday only? Oh, it means that I actually get to spend some time with my kids on the weekend. Uh, um, we do occasionally have stuff over the weekend, but I, I, and this is a blog because we don't, we no longer, unfortunately, employ the people who created it. Um, it's now governed by consensus. And I think those of us who are doing it think we can't do it seven days a week. Maybe we will try to uh, establish a weekend rotation or something, uh, but I, and I know that there's a market for stuff on the weekend. It's just not um, sustainable for us, given the number of people we have and the fact that we all have families and, and full-time jobs. Final question. Um, what is the opinion of the Los Angeles Times on the upcoming presidential election? I can speak only for the editorial board. Um, which speaks for the editorial pages uh, of the Times. And we haven't made up our minds yet. You know, we, we endorsed McCain in the Republican primary and Obama in the uh, Democratic primary. So our two horses continue to be in the race. We have not uh, specifically endorsed or um, um, we, we commented to a very brief extent on Governor Palin and Senator Biden as the vice presidential choices. Uh, we are keeping our powder dry. We are going to endorse in October after the elections. Um, I think that's the plan. It's not written in stone. And our minds are open. Uh, we want to see what the candidates do on the hustings. It's a very exciting year. And we have many, many issues in California that we're going to have to um, endorse on too. There's uh, probably a dozen ballot measures in, in Los Angeles for the city and the state and countless candidates and it's, there's a lot out there. John, you know, this is a podcast. It's on demand. It's not a news program. It's a research resource. Uh, people don't usually listen to it till six weeks after it's released. Um, so by the time they hear this, uh, you know, you probably guys will be out there with a mm -hmm. pick. Mm -hmm. So what better way to sort of seed the audience, uh, we have very influential listeners, mm -hmm. uh, by leaking some piece of information about which direction you're leaning? I will give you a really great bit of insight here, uh, a little bit of transparency. We changed not just editorial page editors, we lost our, uh, our head of our department in the last round of layoffs, but we also changed publishers. David Hiller, our previous publisher, was a member of the Reagan Justice Department. He was a Republican, registered Republican. Our new publisher is named Eddie Hartenstein. Eddie is, um, he told us he's a registered Democrat. So if you notice a difference in the tone of the endorsements in the primaries versus the general, um, there is a different publisher. John Healy, editorial page writer at the Los Angeles Times. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.